Welcome to Offstage with Jordan Baylor, where you'll discover the stories behind the movers and shakers in the entertainment and business world. Now here's your host, Jordan Baylor. Hey, it's good to be back with another episode of Offstage with Jordan Baylor. As some of you might know, others don't, I am based in the amazing, amazing city of Houston, Texas, H-Town. What it do, baby? (laughs) And sometimes on the weekends, solicitors like to come. They like to knock. They they, they hold vacuums. They, They try and hold your time. They try and sell you things. They try and push ideas on you. It's weird, so I don't answer the door. You know, because they're always trying to get you to convert to the cable company or, or, or the religion or get you to try and join a cult. I, I just don't fool with it. I just stay away from the door. I act like I don't have a front door. Well, my wife answered the door this weekend or you know, she answered the door a couple weekends ago. And I knew I just knew that she had stepped on a landmine because she called me. She was like, I need help. As I heard, I heard it in her voice. I need help. So here I am. I'm stomping towards the front door. I have the biggest broom getting ready to blow whoever the hell this is away. I get to the front door and all I see, frankly, is just a just a sincere looking dude. And he's uh, he didn't want anything from me but to tell me he was knocking doors uh, for a guy running for Congress. And I was like, well, who are you knocking doors for? And he was like me. I'm the candidate. And I was like, what? He was like, I'm Mark Flores, a man who's organized and ran Beto O'Rourke's campaign and was running for Congress for District 18. So honestly, I talked to him. I asked him a couple questions about Beto O'Rourke. You know, what is he like? This, that, and the third. And we chatted a bit. And honestly, I like the dude. He's a cool dude. But most importantly than that, besides being a politician, he's extremely driven and he hustles and he has that undefinable grit that you see in people. So I had to have him on the show. So in our episode, we talked about it going above and pouring in more than what is expected of you. And we talked about work ethic and politics. And in our discussion, we talked about the what I feel is the cannibalistic nature of the Democratic Party. And uh, even if you don't subscribe to Mark's politics, I still think there's a lot of gold for you to pull from his ideology and, 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 and the thoughts behind his decisions. And if you like the guy or you don't like the guy, just know that early voting in Texas is commencing right now and it ends February 28th. The primary takes place on March 3rd. Personally, I don't care how you vote. Just make sure you get out there and get your voice heard because I don't want to hear you bitching. If you're not out there voting for someone who has your best interests at heart. And I know that the guy, Mark Flores, he's hoping to be the change that we all desire. So I now bring to you Mark Flores in our discussion. Welcome to another episode of Offstage with Jordan Baylor. This is Jordan Baylor here, and I've got the fantabulous Mark Flores. He's a man running for Congressional District 18, based out of Houston, Texas. And how are you doing today, Mark? Good, good. Thank you uh, for having me. It's good to be here, and I'm excited about the podcast. (laughs) We're so pleased to have you. So I like to start off every interview and just ask, who is Mark Flores? Yeah, phenomenal question. Mm -hmm. You know, I think Mark is a passionate, hardworking, dedicated person that is interested in helping others. Um, That's kind of who I've always been in my life in looking back at it. 
as a young person and the feedback that I get from those that are close to me, friends and family that have been with me uh, for, for, you know, that know me the longest. Uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's probably how I would sum myself up without getting into a whole biography. Mm, okay. I know politics is transactional. You know, I vote for you because, you know, I want this thing or you agree with my politics or you feel the way I feel. Um, if somebody votes for you, what what are they going to get? Yeah, you know, I, I don't know that most people believe or I don't believe most people want government to be transactional. Mm. I do believe that most people want government and those working in government and those whom we elect to be uh, elected officials to be uh, representatives and to do the work of our population or our city or county or federal government in a way that we'd want everything else in our lives. So our friends, our family, our coworkers, we are attracted to those by folks who are good people doing good work. And I think that's no different than what a majority of the people want out of their elected officials. Hmm. You don't think people vote transactionally? Uh, well, I, 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 I don't think that's what they want, most mm-hmm. people. That's what it seems like it's turned into, though. I think we, I think, you know, looking back at our government and, and our country and how it was created, you think about the folks in the late 18th century who made a very difficult decision to revolt and um, against their, their rulers. Uh, with the idea of building a better country that was more representative of their local government. And I can only imagine that generations removed from that era, there was a majority of the country that understood that and was still sensitive to that sacrifice. Mm. Uh, They succeeded in creating one of the greatest countries, and we are reaping those benefits. And we uh, live busy lives. We are out working and taking care of our family and uh, going to school, taking our kids to soccer practice, et cetera. And we can, we can forget about that sacrifice that so many have done uh, for our country before us. But I don't think people want it to be transactional. I think people want a better life. Mm. They want things improved in their community. And the reason I know that is because I've knocked on over um, 15,000 doors. We've talked to thousands of people in the 18th congressional district. And this is what we hear. And this is also the time that I spent volunteering on Beto O'Rourke's Senate campaign uh, a couple of years ago, where I also knocked thousands of doors and talked to hundreds or thousands of people. And that's what people want. I mean, they don't really want much. Mm. The country is is in a place where – we have we're afforded a lot of great things in our lives, and people just want a look. You know, they don't want too too much. They're they're looking for a better way of life locally. You know, healthcare, flooding here in Houston, uh, addressing poverty, and so I think people want to elect people that they can trust, mm. that are good people, that are well intentioned, and that are doing uh, the right thing. Um, transactional. No, I don't. I don't know that the yeah, majority of people that go out and vote mm-hmm. are looking for something in return. Mm. Specifically, yeah, specifically, yeah, they're not looking for a handout. They're not looking, by and large, mm-hmm. uh, they're not looking for some 
something in their life or some action in their eye, some action in their life. I mean, they're wanting better representation. They want people representing the government to improve their way of life. Um, And I guess that's a way of considering it transactional. I just don't see it that finite. Yeah. Okay. All right. I agree with you. All right. So what happened to you that triggered you to go into politics? Like, why the Democratic Party and why does it align with your values personally? Yeah, so uh, born and raised in Laredo in South Texas on the border with Mexico. Mom was a teacher. My dad was a small business owner. I graduated from Texas A&M University about two decades ago with a degree in construction science in the College of Architecture. And for about 20 years, I was building hospitals and universities for folks like MD Anderson and Memorial Hermann here in Houston. Mm-hmm. And about five years ago, changed jobs. I was working 80 hours a week on a construction site managing $300 million high rises here in Houston. And when I changed jobs, I got more time on my hands. I started to volunteer in the community as I was able to, um, you know, invest more of my time in the community. So I volunteered with groups like U.S. Vets that provides housing for homeless veterans. Mm. And then a couple of years later, bumped into Beto O'Rourke, who's running for Senate here in Texas. And I saw his approach to his campaign and dealing with people in the community and whether it was not taking any PAC money when he didn't have to make that hard decision or self-imposing term limits where, again, a lot of people talk about doing but don't do. Uh, And he self-imposed. I said, look, this is the kind of person that we want represent that most people, Mm -hmm. uh, the kind of person, Mm -hmm. not aside from politics and uh, agendas and I, I, I said, you know, this is the kind of person most people want to see representing them. And I'm going to do everything I can to help the campaign, which I did for 15 months running a grassroots headquarters for his office uh, out of my house as a volunteer for about 15 months. And, um, and, and so after that or during that episode or that period, many folks would come up to me and say, hey, are you running for office? Or maybe one day you will. And at the end of the election, I thought about it. And um, early on, I was like, you know what, maybe I'll do that, but it'll be decades from now. Mm-hmm. And I said, no, now's the time. I, I want to do it now. I see uh, uh, my skills and what I've done in my life and how I can better represent uh, our, the people in my community. And so we we, um, we we did a lot of research, and we chose to run for Congress here in the 18th Congressional District. Why Congress? You know, I felt like it was best suited for my skill set. Um, Congress, I, what I wanted to do was represent my community and get work done. Mm-hmm. Um, and people say, well, why the heck would you run for Congress? Nothing gets done there. And mm-hmm. I said, well, that's exactly where uh, we probably need those that are most hungry to get things done, look at things differently. So it was the hardest challenge. We're challenging a 25-year incumbent that's been representing our district for about 25 years. And um, and is, this is rarely successful. And so I quit my job. I've been doing this full time for about nine months and so, and so what we heard and saw early on were folks that saying, Mark, you're crazy. You can't be done. We don't want to see you hurt. And so I had asked them, I said, well, what is it that you think is um, our, our incumbent is doing so well or that you know her for? And, and people really struggled in answering that question. Mm. So I said, I think we could do this. And I know we can. 
And uh, that's what we've been doing the last nine months. We've got three more weeks. We're in a great position. We met uh, as I was knocking on your door <laughs> <Yeah>. just recently. <laughs> and that's what we're doing. You know, yeah. we're connecting with people because this is not something that, that, that people do. The number one or some of the number one responses we get from folks are, you know, I've never had somebody knock on my door or a candidate knock on my door or people saying it's time for change or, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I'll vote for you. So that's the feedback we're getting. And I'm excited. Mm. I love it. So your background includes like organizing and running Better O'Rourke's uh, campaign. How, how did you get that gig? You know, I just uh, tracked them down. I went to one of his uh, speeches a couple of years ago, several years ago. Mm-hmm. And it was like 2015? No, this was in um, 17. Mm. And so I said, I want to get involved. And, and they said, you go talk to this guy in Houston took a while to track him down, but I did. And said, I want to help. And they got me on their uh, distribution list and everything they, they asked folks to do, I, I would do. And initially it was data entry, just adding uh, email phone numbers into their data so that they can send out emails. Mm. Next, it was sending out text messages to people uh, from my home. Next was, you know, hosting uh, strangers in my home that they would send to me for a live stream where Bethel would come on. It would be a barbecue for the campaign. Oh. Then it was block walking and phone banking and and um, and then having a volunteer staff of 15 people uh, operating out of my house from 11 a.m. to 6 p.m. Mm-hmm. every day. And, and it just uh, snowballed. And um, we did great. We got a lot of great feedback. The campaign noticed what we were doing. And we did a lot of work. In fact, some of the things they would share with me was, Mark, you're doing more work than some of the folks that we paid to do this work. Mm-hmm. So I enjoyed it, and I was proud to to do it for the campaign. Uh, the campaign came up, up a little short, but got closer than anyone had in over 25 years. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of dedication you gave, like dedication and, and loyalty, the two words that pop into my head when I hear about all the work you've done uh, for the campaign. Was your dedication and your loyalty more towards Beto because you believed in him, or was it more towards the the change you were pushing towards? Like, what what, what yeah. drove you? I think it's probably both. I mean, or maybe they're one and the same. Uh, he was the agent mm-hmm. of that idea, mm. and um, and so he he uh, the campaign was the work. And um, this is how we make change in America, frankly, right? I mean, we can continue to not pay attention, Mm -hmm. which is easy to do in good times because we're concentrating in our personal lives. Uh, And we can turn a blind eye in tough times because we don't want to hear all that garbage on CNN from our typical politicians. So it's very easy for us to not stay involved and get involved. But when you see somebody in a campaign like this, um, you want to help them out as best as possible because those kinds of approaches in politics don't come across, don't come a, around very often. Mm. And it's, um, I felt it. I felt that I needed to help in some way to um, to reward or benefit that work, so that we can all have access to a new day, a new age, a new era, a new approach. Wow. I like that. So you kind of felt like that was your what you had to throw into the like the pot, mm-hmm. you know. You know, it's the story of the uh, the the kettle pot. Like the whole co- village comes together and, and yeah, yeah. You know, starts with the the chicken bone and the, well, I got carrots, I got potatoes. Like that was like your potatoes. Yeah. yeah. Like, okay, I like that, man. I like that. So, what made you want to step into organizing space and think like 
you already know how to run an effective campaign. I mean, the Better or Work campaign was like really effective. And you saw it from the inside, like all the stuff it went to. Why not just, I guess my question is, why not just find another candidate and then you push them the way you pushed Beto? Yeah, so I was given a myself a, a decision. And the decision was one of three things, either continue my career mm-hmm. and um, contribute financially to campaigns uh, and and get more involved in the community, mm-hmm. um, or I could do what you're talking about is mm-hmm. um, leave my career and get into campaigns. Yeah. And the third was to run for uh, myself, and I turned I tur- I chose the hardest option, the most uh, consequential, mm. and that was to run for myself to represent our district because I felt like two things: one that it was time for us to take this congressional seat to the next level. You know, this is a historic seat represented by the likes of Barbara Jordan. Um, when this seat was originally created 50 years ago, she was a fighter for education. She was the first African-American woman to represent the South in Congress. She was the first African-American or woman to be in the state Senate. Uh, prior to that, Mickey Leland, she was there for six years. Mickey Leland was there for 10 years and um, a fighter for the poor mm-hmm. and uh, literally gave his life in a plane crash on um, his way to uh, address the Ethiopian crisis uh, in Africa. Mm. And then you had Craig Johnson and now Congresswoman Sheila Jackson Lee. And so I felt like this seat was ready to take to a next level mm-hmm. and, um, and approach it a little bit differently. And so our approach is to address the most important issues here in our district. There's a handful of them mm-hmm. and really concentrate on them. You know, I feel like a lot of folks go to Washington can get caught up in everything that's Washington, um, trying to hit the headlines and spread themselves too thin and not really address the most important issues here. And so that's our approach. Uh, it's a little different. Uh, we also want to address the most more local issues as well and be an advocate, uh, a voice for the people here locally. Uh, not just send folks down to city hall or the city council for a local issue, but walk them through and get them more involved and engaged and excited about government. So to pull something off like that, I mean, you would need like a lot of help to get that many people active. I mean, are you doing like outreach for the youth or is it people coming and helping you? Or you- yeah. So it's been, it's been tough. Uh, it is tough in general, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you, unless you're a Beto O'Rourke, it's, it's hard to grab uh, kind of um, uh, uh, spotlight that he had in his Senate run. Mm-hmm. So we've been doing it with friends, family, coworkers who have donated to our campaign, uh, friends, family, coworkers who know me, believe in me, because not only they've known me or friends or family, but they see my work ethic, my approach, my um, passion for whatever I've done in my life, and they've they're they're willing to to invest their time and money in me, um, which is uh, humbling. Mm-hmm. And so it's motivating as well to make sure that we're doing everything that we know we need to be doing because we have so many people mm-hmm. that are helping us out. And so yeah, we've gone out to every neighborhood, we've been to every corner of the district. We're talking to folks, knocking on doors, and making phone calls and sending text messages. We're putting up our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter profiles up in a website. And and we've cobbled together an amazing staff, a field director that's a student at Sam Houston. Uh, I'm sorry, a communications director that's a student over at Sam Houston State, uh, a data guy in Boston, a uh, field director is our only hire. 
Uh, we got a volunteer manager that that are we're now friends from the Beto campaign. A couple other folks that come into the office a couple times uh, a week to do data entry or mm-hmm. update our calendar or deposit our checks to the banking to the bank. And and then we've got a half a dozen or a dozen so volunteers that we've met block walking. Mm. So these aren't folks that um, that knew me before the last couple of months, but they believe in me. They see uh, the future of our district and they want to be part of it. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're very lucky. Well, what are the key metrics for measuring whether your uh, campaign is, is is moving towards the right direction? I mean, yeah, it kind of seems like you know campaign trail is very busy. You can get lost in the sauce and you can get just, you know, the day-to-days can slip through your fingers and you look up at selection time. So how do you mm-hmm. measure that day-to-day we're knocking down all the stuff we need to get done? Yeah, so it's really two generally measures. One is uh, money, you know, because money mm-hmm. gets you to be able to do things. You can send out mailers. You can hire staff. You can uh, uh, buy ads on social media. And so we've outraised or we've raised more money uh, as a challenger in this race in the last 25 years than anybody else has challenged in this race in the last 25 years. Wow. So we're good there. Mm-hmm. Uh, not great. We could use a little bit more money, but but we got what we need to run a solid campaign. Uh, the la- And then the other is voter contact. So we contact voters mm-hmm. based on a handful of methods. So that's either knocking on doors, making phone calls, text messaging, social media advertisements. Um, and so when you add that up mm-hmm. and you know how many people are going to come out to vote and you're targeting the right people, you can, the goal is to quote unquote touch or allow the voter to see you mm-hmm. at least a couple of times, if not a handful of times. And so those touches or contacts through those methods many times to this v- relatively small voter pool mm-hmm. is how we can define how well we're doing. Day to day, how do you structure your days to get the most accomplished? It's hard. You know, they, we, we get to work at 7, um, ends around 11 in the evening. Is that Monday through Sunday? Is That's that every day? Monday through Sunday, yes. Wow. Yeah. And so now early, basically the early mornings, uh, the last several months has been campaign management work. So I'm the campaign manager. Mm. So that's organizing our staff and making sure we've got the right vendors on board and monitoring other folks that are doing work for us. Uh, the afternoons, we've been a lot of knocking on doors, um, talking to people in the community. In the evenings early on, we were going to a lot of civic club meetings and super neighborhood meetings involved in the community. So helping out, uh, volunteering at a community garden that was being built uh, through the new Progressive Civic Club in Setagas, partnered with uh, Habitat for Humanity, mm. or working with kids out in Pleasantville at their as a volunteer and their friends of the park at Judson Robinson Park. And, and, but here recently, it's really just been concentrating on voter contact. So that's phone, phone calling, knocking on doors and making sure that our social media, I mean, our, yeah, our social media advertising is going well. Okay. So you're trying to show up in then um, basically every area that votes in Houston. Yes. Yeah. So how does, and sometimes you come across a candidate and it feels like you cannot get away from their ad and they're everywhere. They just flood the market. Like Bloomberg, Michael Bloomberg, you cannot get away from that guy's ads. Like they're all over YouTube. How does, uh, 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 and how does a candidate pull off that, that feeling of omnipresence where they're like everywhere at once? And how does that message not get like, Oh, not this guy again. Like, you know what I mean? How do you yeah. pull that off? Yeah. I mean, the, the money. Yeah. If you have the money, you can do it. That's what he has. And that's what he's doing. Yeah. Uh, even though some people may be turned off by it, 
<coughs> he's achieving what he's trying to do, and that is for people to know who he is. That's true. So he's being successful at that, but he is special in that he has uh, millions, uh, hundreds of millions of dollars. Hundreds of billions. He's yes. A billionaire. <laughs> and, so, and so for me, we've got, we're trying to be as strategic as possible. Uh-huh. We're obviously not running a national race. It's uh, still a district, but it still has 800,000 people, mm-hmm. 400,000 registered voters. Um, our target group was closer to about 100,000, but about 60,000 will come out and vote. And so uh, we've got the voter data. We're trying to make sure we're using our dollars as best as possible when it comes to the mailer, to our social media advertising, um, and uh, and where we invest on other voter contact programs. So you guys are like running Facebook ads mm-hmm. and Instagram ads yep. and all that, and yep. all that, that data is like able to help you like get your campaign right in front of them specifically, right? Yes. Yeah. The Facebook ads and Instagram ad, they have got a little bit of protections there Mm -hmm. in that we don't know exactly who's seeing our ads, Mm -hmm. but we are able to basically, uh, or they're able to see the people in our district. So we know they're going to people within our district or people that would probably vote for us. Mm -hmm. Uh, We just don't know exactly who. Uh, The mailers, we know who will get them. Mm -hmm. Um, And on Instagram, same thing. Instagram is owned by Facebook, so it's basically the same approach with Facebook. Mm -hmm. And then when we knock on doors, obviously we know who we're doing, who we're going, who we're talking to there. Same thing on the phone banks and the text messaging. So you you look at all those methods that we vote, that we contact voters, Mm -hmm. and you uh, you're not going to hit, or you're a very small percentage. You're going to hit people on all six or seven of those methods. Mm-hmm. But if we can hit a lot of people on two or three of those methods, a yeah. handful of times, then, you know, our job is to share with folks who we are and why we're running. That's, that's our job. Uh, our second job is to get folks out to vote. And if we do that well, meaning getting in front of people and letting them know who we are mm-hmm. and then getting them out to vote, uh, we know we'll be successful. Wow. And you really broke that down. I really appreciate that because, I mean, you clarified the many different ways that you can hit it and then all the different angles. That's so fascinating. That is truly fascinating. Um, I got to ask, man, you're a really cool guy. Like, why politics? <laughs> like, you're like a really cool dude. I'm just like, why? I don't know, man. Well, politics, I think everybody kind of feels, not, all right, I'm not going to say everybody feels the same, but like, I feel like with politics, People tell you what they want, what what you, what you want, you know, what they want you to hear, and then they just do the thing that basically the person that actually gave them a lot of money, they just do what they want them to do. Yeah, two points there. I think one is that uh, I'm running because for a long time I saw a lot of folks in elected office that I wasn't proud of, um. that I felt like had a responsibility and uh, weren't doing. Uh, uh, that or achieving that responsibility in a way that we're expected to, we expect our elected officials to, and there should be some sense of public trust, Mm -hmm. meaning, okay, you're our elected official. You should be representing us and doing good things. We can't keep track of you all the time, but there's some amount of trust that we're going to uh, impose on you or expect from you. And I think oftentimes people don't have that trust. And so that's the reason I'm running is to uh, let folks know that I'm not a career politician, that mm-hmm. it's not about who gave me money because the only people that have given me money are my friends, family, and coworkers, and they don't want anything out of me. Um, and 
Um, and so we're, we're hoping to provide that for them. Um, or we, 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 we know we will provide that for them. We just gotta, we gotta get in front of folks and let them know who we are and get them out to vote. You have a good energy. I'll tell you that you have a great energy. Yeah. I mean, I came to the front door and usually when I, you know, I get up and come to the front door, (laughs) I don't know who's coming to mess with me right now, you know, like, and I was like, oh, this guy's really cool. And I got like a really calming aura off of you. And I, I, I think energy is very important. Sure. You have a very calming energy. Uh, you're a straight shooter. Right. And, um, it's, it's like clarity. It's not like, you know, I'm going to, Trick this guy with my key points. <laughs> and I didn't get that off you, man. And I've met a lot of politicians. I used right. to, to uh, I used to, when I was like 18, 19, I used to uh, go on my college campus and get people to register to vote. I worked on the Obama campaign because um, that was like the first time I was going to get to vote. And I was like, oh, dude, a black guy? What? <laughs> he actually has a shot. Are you kidding me? This is the greatest. And right, then, uh, right. yeah, so I worked in his campaign and then it just kind of got me into like working for other people. And um, yeah, man, sometimes the politicians look at young people as like uh, free, free labor. Like right, they, they right. just drool and they're just right. like, I don't want to pay any of these kids. I want to run them in the ground and I just want to work them 12 hours a day. And that's taxing, you know, because yeah. kids need money. And then, you know, we're, we're in college, we're getting horrible student loan debts and all this and that. I don't even know what I'm talking about right now. But. Yeah, well, uh, to your point, I mean, I think I feel the, the one of the things I get from folks is they say, Mark, you know, what I get from you is you you seem like a genuine person. You're genuine. And so um, I've been getting that a lot here in the last uh, nine months. And I think and maybe it's a little easier because people are expecting something very different from mm-hmm. people who are running for office. So the bar is kind of low. <laughs> you know, and so, and that's sad, and that's, and it's, but it's not funny, you know, because this is our government, this is our politics, I mean, right? You gotta but laugh, it, to yeah, keep yeah, crying, but, you but, know? yeah, that's right. But to your other point, you know, yes, I, I do agree. A lot of folks will come in and say, uh, "This is what I want to do, and I'm going to do it," and and they know what to say. Um, I'm going to promise you the world, right? Yeah. And so, what I share with folks is that I'll talk to them about what we're why we're running, mm-hmm. and then I'll say, "Look." these things don't happen overnight. So I'm not here to promise you that I'm here to fix them all. Mm-hmm. I alone and will do it overnight. In fact, what I say is that I can only do it mm-hmm. with other people. No one person can accomplish any of these things, whether it's at a campaign or an office or legislation. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, our, our approach has been to empower leaders in the community. And there's so many, that's what I've met, seen so many and met so many people that are knowledgeable and experts in their fields or they're passionate about certain things. They might be an expert in education, which is an important issue in our district, or they might be a great community leader, mm. which is important to empower, to, to, to coalesce people. And so we're, our approach will to empower those leaders that are already here and have that passion to do these things, provide them a seat at the table, because again, no one person can accomplish this thing. But I do know that together with these leaders and a team of good people Mm -hmm. with a good framework, uh, call me crazy, call me idealist, uh, but we can do it. I do believe so. And, um, and people can get behind that. They can get empowered by it. I I agree. I agree. I'm all for grassroots campaigns. I I think those are the most uh, organic and, um, they convert the best, and when they actually do succeed, it's beautiful. It's yeah. beautiful because yeah. it brings everybody together, right. and everybody becomes part of the process, which is very, very rare. A lot, so many people are left out of the conversation, like you said, and um, for you to see, because it seems like politicians don't see it, or they, they choose not to. They'd rather just see the people that have money for them 
Because, I mean, like you said, it's expensive to run a campaign. It's very well, expensive. yeah, and the other thing is I feel like, you know, I, I do believe most those who are elected into office mm-hmm. began that process and uh, with, 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 with good intentions. Mm-hmm. But you get there, and if you're there for a while, it then becomes a career, and it's – um, maybe they didn't have a career before and mm-hmm. they, it, they, they feel like they might be in a position to just do and say whatever it takes to get reelected mm-hmm. because that's now their thing mm-hmm. and they can lose sight of the most important things and addressing those. And so, um, you know, and that's people and that's understanding the neighborhood and the district as it evolves and changes, which mm-hmm. ours has. And um, understanding what people are thinking and saying. And that's why we've been out on the streets, knocking on doors, understanding different neighborhoods at a very uh, local level. Mm. Do you feel like there's enough representation of people of color in general in politics? No, there isn't. The numbers will say that, Mm -hmm. show that, prove that. Uh, And I think it is important that we do have um, diversity in our uh, representation that represents our country and our communities. And, um, but there's gotta be people that are willing to, um, put themselves out there to, uh, run for office and they have to work to connect with their community. Um, and that's hard. And the other thing that's hard, I think is that, and I don't know that there, you know, I I feel like we're very, um, connected with people who we see similarities in. And so, you know, and we're dealing with this right now where, where uh, you look at the presidential election and you, and you look at how people, who, what groups of people will be voting for different groups. So, you know, people in campaigns. Mm-hmm. And I, I dealt with this with some of these uh, consultants here locally. It's like, oh, you're Hispanic you got to go get the Hispanic people to vote mm-hmm. or you're black and you've got what, how many blacks do vote uh, vote in this district or uh, are in this district mm-hmm. as if that's the only thing it's that only people yeah. look at yeah. in voting. Now I do believe the numbers, unfortunately, oh, it's very important. <laughs> show that, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And yeah. so, and so why is that? And so is yeah. it because we just see something similar in ourselves? And, and I think that's, yeah. I think that's, that's, that happens in life, but it goes back to like the lack of, like you said, representation. It's like, Oh, he's black. Let me vote for him. Like, you know, <laughs> or oh, he's Hispanic. Oh, let me vote for him. It looks like my uncle. Let me vote for right, him. Like right, that kind right, of stuff. Like right. it feels good. Like even the guy could not, he could not have your best interest at heart. It could be the white woman that right. on paper who has your best interest at heart. Right. But like, I, he looks like my uncle. Like right. I, I know my uncle. My uncle would do me dirty. Right. You know, like, you know, right. but right. it's just kind of like a little bit of that, I think. Yeah. But I think people, I don't know. It's like, maybe when we vote, we probably shouldn't like, I, I don't know. Maybe we shouldn't look at the name. We should look at maybe the voting style should be different. Maybe we should mm-hmm. just look sure. at the, the, uh, instead of the name, like, what do you want? This, this or that. And then right. if we voted based on identity or, or politics, like what are they actually pushing for? Yeah. You know, we might be able to get different results at the the, yeah. the voting booth, but I, I don't know, man. Well, we make it hard. 
um, because True. there's a lot of choices to, to 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 make when you go vote. There's, mm-hmm. you know, all the typical ones, and you got all these judges. So you got hundred decisions to make, at least two per uh, election, and you got two hundred things to research. Right now, yeah. very few people are going to do that. Now, when people who are over sixty five vote by mail, they get their ballot at their living, you know, their kitchen counter, and sometimes they'll sit there and 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 research each candidate. And so uh, we make it hard because we got to go to a central location. Mm-hmm. And it's just a name there or yeah. a party next to their name, a D or an R. And uh, in lieu of providing us more. And then, you know, because it's a lot of work to go and research all these people. So, yeah, I think that's part of it, too. Yeah, that's a huge part of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then a lot of these ads, they don't make it clear on their stance. They just kind of, they don't, you know, like you used to be able to look at a campaign or, or a commercial and be like, oh, he's using red colors. He's a Republican. Oh, he's using blue. He's a Democrat. Now it's like they're using red, white, and blue and they're tricking <laughs> you and they're coming out of the back of, you know, of a, a kitchen. And like, I'm a hard worker. You're right. just like, right. what, what, how do you feel about it? Like yeah. they, they just don't tell you. They just kind of right. dance around right. it. Well, know. and that's all part of it, right? That's yeah. like a symptom because if people understand that, oh, I just got to do this because mm-hmm. people aren't going to research or look into it. So I yeah. just give them this 30 second um, snapshot mm-hmm. and and then give it to them enough times. Yeah, give it to them enough times and then they'll remember the face, they'll mm-hmm. remember the name, mm-hmm. and they'll vote for it. Yeah. It seems like the Democratic Party is, is fractured at the moment. You know, you got so many screaming voices trying to take leadership of it. People push. You got you. You got like independence in the mix, and you got like people pushing for like Trump's impeachment, and then the impeachment didn't work, of course. And um, what are you? What are you? What are your thoughts on the status of like the Democratic Party? Yeah, I mean, I think all those voices are good in general. It's good to have different ideas and approaches. It keeps uh, the issues live and our brain power working hard to get the best uh, package put together. Uh, in general, the, the the foundation of all the ideas are good intentioned. Um, uh, at some point the, you got to figure out, well, how do we achieve something? Mm-hmm. And you got to say, okay, well, this is our goal. This would be ideal, but we got to continue to make progress. And, uh, sometimes you can't get the whole thing right off the bat yeah. and you get little chunks that, you know, uh, as you can, because that's part of our democracy, mm-hmm. you know, in this two party system is that there are different voices, both within the party and between parties that you have to, uh, share because we're all represent every, every representative in Congress is representing different, uh, parts of the country. And that's the whole part behind that part of democracy. And mm-hmm. so, uh, I think all of that, uh, uh, conversation in some courses, discourse is positive, but we have to, so long as it gets to a point where we're actually accomplishing something and moving yeah. and, and addressing something. So seems I think like nothing's good. getting accomplished. And yes. That's, that's, it yes. seems like all the, the voices are, are like cannibalizing each other mm-hmm. and they're like trying to compare struggles, you know, like, oh, well, you know, uh, black rights are bad, but, you know, trans rights are bad, too. It's like, dude, we can both be bad at the same time. You know, like, you know, we don't have to fight each other for who's struggling more or who's, you know, you got poor people. You got so much injustice going on. It's just how do you, how does the Democratic Party find leadership within itself? And then how do they start, like you said, to systematically get little slices done? Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, I think I think um it, I think it goes through our election process. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, we're seeing that play out for the, the folks that are running for president right now. You've got 
a couple of folks that are more progressive, a couple of folks that are more moderate, and the people decide. Yeah. The people ultimately decide. Who are you pushing for? You know, early on, I was a Kamala Harris fan. Uh, she she uh, she got out. Before that, I was obviously a Beto Award can, uh, fan. Mm-hmm. Right now, I think Pete Buttigieg is doing a really good job. I think he could, uh, although he's young, he doesn't have all the experience that most folks we see running for president have, but I think he uh, has a good head on his shoulders and can uh, do well. He's really smart on paper. He just seems like so robotic. He doesn't seem like sure. he has a soul. Uh, yeah, like, sure. I mean, he seems like he have a soul. Like yeah. that's when I get off the yeah. guy. He's like, yeah. it's like he combs his hair. Like <laughs> sure, a hundred strokes, Peter. Like you know what I mean? Like you know, it just he just it doesn't sure. seem like he's fun. He just doesn't no. seem like he. Ever, I mean, and I remember growing up, I used to always hear that when people would go like, oh, oh, I could drink a beer with Bush. Like, and right. I never understood it. I was like, that's so dumb. Like yeah. he's yeah. like, he can't get drunk. He's supposed to be the president. He's like, right. but I understand it. It's like a likability factor. Like. Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, you know, we always want the perfect candidate. Uh, I don't know that we've had a perfect president. No. Uh, if that's his uh, biggest fault, then I think we're doing okay. Uh, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> I guess so. Yeah. I'll take the robot. <laughs> I don't mind. <laughs> yeah. Um, now, I know the, the, the likability is important because you got to uh, work with Congress and, and a lot of people, but um, – and a lot of groups and agencies, but uh, yeah, if that's if that's his biggest issue, then then I think we're okay. Man. You gotta like a lot of ability. What's that? I said you have a like a lot of likeability. Excuse me, I said like Ooh, a lot myself. Of yeah, yourself. Oh, okay, yeah, you're thank cool you, guy. thank you. All right. So, how can the people find you, and sure. how can they support you? Yeah. So, check us out on our website. It's markfloresforcongress dot com. My name is Mark Flores, spelled M-A-R-C-F-L-O-R-E-S. Mm-hmm. So Mark Flores for Congress. You can also check us out on Facebook and Instagram under Mark Flores for Congress, uh, Twitter, Mark Flow Congress. And on our website, just click the donate button on the top right-hand corner. We'd love to get five bucks from you so we can get out 10 more mailers. That's our last line item that we're trying to fund right now. Mm-hmm. We've got their entire campaign funded. Uh, so every dollar that comes in allows us to reach two more people in their in their mailbox mm. uh, for folks that we weren't able to talk to, like we were fortunate enough to do with you the other day. Uh, but we may have been a you know we may have touched them some other way. The mailer gives them something in their mailbox one last time before they go and vote. It allows them to understand that uh, this is a primary election, mm-hmm. that a lot of folks don't go and vote in this primary election, that they'll be able to vote for president, that uh, where their nearest early voting location is, the times, the dates, times, and locations. So. That's our biggest struggle right now, our issue that we're trying to fund. Um, so, yeah, folks can go to our website and just click the donate button to help us or just send me a, an email or a text to 832-819-9905. Uh, and you can come out and volunteer with us. We had about 10 volunteers block walking with us yesterday. We'll have a couple today and then we'll continue to grow over these last two weeks. All right. Well, thank you for your time, Mark. Thank this you. has been a great interview. Thank okay. you. And um, when is the election day? March 3rd is election day. So you can vote any polling place in the county from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. Uh, early voting begins. I'm sorry. I'm sounding a little robotic right now. No, go for it, uh, man. Plug, plug, plug. 18th <laughs> to the 28th um, is early voting. So also 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. There's about 50 locations in the county you can go and vote for. But you can also find those locations at harrisvotes.com. All right. Well, thank you for your time. Thank you. All right. Thank you for listening to Offstage with Jordan Baylor. Now go forth and create.